This time on episode 373 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Falcon and the Winter Soldier, season one, episode five, Truth, weekly Marvel news, and your feedback. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm producer of this show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, April 18th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast GRC-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Animal Cracker Day. They really are more cookies. I got to agree with Ben Affleck in Armageddon. Yeah, I see them as cookies as well. I liked getting the ones in like the little box that had like the animals on it. And then there was a string like you could carry it like a little thing. Yeah, I like to get those and like bite their heads off. And So did you guys hear that in 2018, Nabisco, who owns the Barnum's, Barnum's? Barnum's animal crackers, that they released them from the train cages and they now roam free. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't either. But it's all part of this write-up on National Animal Cracker Day. So now I know. Animal Cookie Day. <laughs> Cue someone singing that Shirley Temple song. <laughs> Which one? The Animal Crackers. I only re- they used to show in your that infomercials. Yeah, where it was just all these Shirley Temple movies, and that's the bit that always sticks out to me. Yeah, Shirley Temple. And she actually, she only was active for a few years, right? But she was just incredible. The amount of uh, movies that she was in for those few years. Iconic movies now, I guess, too. Or classics. One or the other. Maybe both. Well, since you don't like Animal Cracker Day, so ladies, happy National Animal Cookie Day. There we go. All right. All is right with the world, Michelle? Yes. All right. And with that, let's get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of training montages. If you'd like to talk to us about your favorite training montages, you can find our website, legendsofshield.com. If you have a song you've written about training montages, you can get a hold of us at our voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Facebook, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We are on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Ladies, a couple of days ago, this penultimate episode of the series called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier aired. So you feel like talking about it tonight? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we may as well. We're all already here. Okay. Let's go (laughs) ahead and do it then. On Disney Plus on April 16th, 2021, that was Friday, season one, episode five, the penultimate episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier aired episode Truth. Michelle? I'm having a hard time remembering who directed this episode. Hold on, hold on. Yes, it was Kari Skoglin has 56 directing credits starting in 1994. Six of the Borges, one of the Killing, two Under the Dome, one Longmire, two Vikings, one Penny Dreadful, two Fear the Walking Dead, one of the Americans, two of the Walking Dead, one Punisher, five The Handmaid's Tale, and six The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, all six of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episodes. There you go. Yep. 
Okay, so I shouldn't have a problem remembering next week. Let's hope I don't. In the meantime, Lauren, who wrote this episode? This episode was written by Dalan Muson, who has three writing credits starting in 2009, including Iron Sky, The Coming Race, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And of course, the series showrunner was Malcolm Spellman. Truth is the title of the episode. Michelle, I think Lauren wants to tell us all about truth. <laughs> yes. Okay. So truth is actually the name of the comic series that introduced. Well, it's like a miniseries that introduced Isaiah Bradley. It's called Truth, Red, White and Black. And yeah, it's all about like what happened and all of that. It's, it's a really good comic. I very highly recommend it. It was written by, I'm pulling it up right now, Robert Morales and drawn by Kyle Baker. That made me very happy that that's what they call the episode. I found that out after I had watched the episode and I thought it was very fitting. I didn't put it together while I was watching the episode or before. It was after and it was pretty cool. Michelle, was there any other truths to truth? The fact that I called it last week, <laughs> I said that John Walker was fried about it and we learn really the truth behind how he sees captain america how he sees himself as justified and then the truth sam comes to realize thanks to his sister that he can indeed whether or not he calls himself captain america we'll see but he's definitely worthy of the shield and wearing a new suit and going to new york and kicking some butt that took a lot to get him from where he was at the beginning of the series, wanting to give the shield back to the museum, not wanting to carry it to the point where not only does he want to carry it, he wants to wield it. He wants to use it for the purposes that stand behind the shield. And he had to fight for it too. Even though after he fought for it and he won it, he didn't feel completely justified. He was going to take it to Isaiah, which was great that we got to see Isaiah again, but Isaiah's like, Oh no. So he had to, Sam had to deal with those whole things with Isaiah and come to his own conclusion, which he did with his sister. Do we want us to start with how the show started with that epic fight? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was interesting. They try to talk him down and depending on someone's frame of mind, sometimes there's just a trigger word or a phrase and it's almost as though they got John talking, you know, getting him down and everything. And then they said, give us the shield. And that just made him snap because he's like, I'm Captain America. The shield is mine. You're not going to take my toy. And they're like, there's blood all over it. You just killed it to slaughter someone. We're going to take it. And it's going to be an epic fight to do so. It was an epic fight. Absolutely. I had flashbacks the entire time of the civil war fights and i will say fights plural because he had that big fight at the airport where he had sam going back and forth with like spider-man and captain america going back and forth with spider-man and spider-man just schooling him from time to time but it was all about who can control the shield who's taking the shield back and forth sam used one of his mechanisms to go grab it at one point in time during the fight so i'm like oh you learned that from spider-man back in the civil war and then you go to where the soviet super soldiers were and you had that epic fight of ownership of the shield at the very end it turned into ownership of the shield where tony stark said that doesn't belong to you so captain america just dropped it and left with bucky so those things combined all brought me back to civil war i mean let's face it with zemo around a lot of this reminds me of civil war but ultimately, it's who owns the shield. Sam wins it. And you had the Falcon's wings get destroyed. And he left them with Torres afterwards, which we'll talk about later. But he was using the wings. He was using the jetpack that propels him when he's flying. Bucky was using everything that Bucky is superpowered. So he's going after another superpowered individual. The difference is Bucky's training. I know that John Walker is heavily trained and Bucky has his arm as long as it's not detached. So he, I think had the advantage in that whole thing, but still with Walker's, I guess, pure adrenaline that was going through his system. He was just difficult to beat in that fight. It was an epic fight between the three of them. They ended up having to break his arm. That was savage. Yeah, it was, 
The fact that he was newly injected with the serum combined with the adrenaline, I think that's how he was able to hold his own for so long. Okay, speaking of Walker, he's been the subject of a lot of online discussion this past week, and especially since Friday. There's a lot of John Walker was right. There's a lot of I'm sending death threats to Wyatt Russell because I hate this character. Guys, don't do that. It's just a character. And he's playing it really, really well. He's capturing a lot of the nuance. So last week on Sunday nights, I rewatch this stuff with my spouse and my best friend. And my best friend was Air Force. So she has this whole perspective that like I don't have regarding being in the military, that mindset, kind of the more toxic aspects of military culture. And she had a lot to say about Walker. If I'd been thinking, I would have asked her to record it. But the thing is, like, we see this guy. He, yeah, he was probably, he was a really nice guy. We see him. He wants to do the right thing. However, okay, much like Bucky falls back on his training and the way he was programmed, Walker, we see, falls back on his training and I don't want to say programming, but it is definitely like kind of training him to be like this person as a second nature in combat situations. And again, that makes him really good at combat and not great at a lot of other aspects. And in regards to this fight, we had, well, first of all, last week, you know, it's the whole when Steve had his side killed, how he handled it versus Walker, how he handled it after his sidekick got killed. Like they both lost their best friends. And Walker, you know, we see him when he's when he's talking to that military panel. You know, whenever we see him talking, when he's talking to Lamar's parents, again, he's a decent guy, but he's not Steve. He's not somebody who started at the bottom with nothing. He is someone that has always been a golden boy his whole life. And it seems like this is the first time that he's really been publicly kicked when he's down. And he does not handle that well. No, he doesn't. I wouldn't say it's a military tribunal or a military court or anything like that. It seemed like it was the political will of the United States. It seemed like it was congressional or some sort of political committee. I don't think it was military involved. But the military serves the president of the United States, the executive branch. And it's subjected to all sorts of congressional regulations as well. So I see, I mean, the deeming of Captain America, I think is beyond military. I think it's the nation as a whole, or at least they think so. So the Senator, I think he was referred to as Senator finally. And even the first couple of episodes, he was just a political guy or representative of the government. Now he's listed as Senator and I don't know if it's a complete Senate panel. I doubt it. I think there were multiple representatives of the branches or entities, the U.S. government on there. So there's that. Okay. The other thing that I want to say is John Walker is yet to have made a good decision. One of the things that he says is that he got the guy that killed Lamar. That is not true. If you go back to the fight, it was Carly that killed Lamar. So he's lying and he knows he's lying the entire time. I'm not sure he knows that. I think he views them all as one entity. And this guy is just the one he happened to catch. Like if he had grabbed any one of them, I think he would have held them just as guilty. Maybe. But if that's his viewpoint, then he has to get all of them in order to avenge yeah, and Lamar. I think that is his plan. Like as we see in the mid credit scene. Yeah, this is the first mid or post credit scene in this series, which I, I at least that I can remember. It so is, yeah. that made it pretty neat. And also it harkened back to Tony Stark when he was making the Iron Man suit in the cave with a box of scrap with the hammering, which was again uh, alluded to at the end of Endgame with the hammering there. So there's a lot of hammering, but I think in this particular case, it's kind of showing that the world isn't right because he is not the hero that Iron Man or Captain America was, and yet he's there hammering away. More like, like uh, what's his name in Iron Man 2, the villain? Oh, I was in Dynamo, but... 
Yeah, well, it's Mickey Rourke. Whiplash? Yeah, but uh, Vanko. Vanko. Yeah. So it's more like Vanko than it is Tony Stark or Captain America there at the very end. And I'm guessing that his shield is not made of vibranium. No, there's no way that shield is made of vibranium. However, it doesn't have to be for you to do some serious damage with it anyway. And as we've seen, he's viewing the shield as more of a weapon. Like we, we saw him use it as just outright a murder weapon. And that's, again, where we see the difference between Cap and Walker. Cap tends to use it more defensively. Even when he's, like, you know, throwing the shield, it tends to, like, hit things out of people's hands and stuff like that. I'd need to go back and check. I mean, it's a good excuse to rewatch the MCU anyway. Yeah, I just watched Captain America, the first Avenger. And in Nazi Germany, he is using it offensively. Yeah. And wielding a gun. I mean, we had that conversation already, so, but he's learned over time. I think you're right. Overall, at the end, he was using the shield much differently than he was at the very beginning. Also, as far as John Walker's shield, he's infusing his medals of honor, or at least one medal of honor into it. We had a short discussion a few weeks ago about the fact that he has three medals of honor. I did some research. I was pretty sure during the podcast, but I did some research after the fact. There is nobody in the U.S. military that has earned three medals of honor and only like a couple of dozen just to give you a mindset of how much it is. I think it literally is 22, but I'd have to go back and check a couple of dozen of people that's won it twice. And most of those people aren't alive anymore or weren't alive uh, after the axe to get the second one. So it goes into the unrealistic character of john walker to begin with or where the world is post blip well yeah again it's supposed to be this guy who was an exemplary soldier that doesn't mean that he was a great person to begin with like again we all think okay we're pretty good people but as we've discussed with zemo talking when he's like yeah but there's only ever been one steve rogers the chance that you'd find somebody that good to where when all their stuff is amplified, they still remain that good of a person. That has to be just astronomically small. I like, again, when I keep thinking I've had some friends who have died kind of violently and I would have done the same thing as John Walker. That does not make it the right thing. I've gone to a lot of therapy for anger issues about that stuff. But just because you can say I would do the same thing, that doesn't make it right. Particularly when you're supposed to be more than a person at that point. You are a symbol. And you are not only that, you're in some huge shoes to fill. As you know, he himself said. And he has not lived up to that at all. After the fight... You get a little going back and forth between Bucky, Torres, and Sam. That's when Sam gives the wings back. You have Bucky going off. Sam nails it. Oh, so you're going to go find Zemo. Bucky doesn't say anything, but of course he does go and find Zemo at the memorial of the Segovia disaster. And we see him getting arrested, for the lack of a better term, by the Dore Milaje. Oh, uh, taken into custody. Here's the thing. This is the most anticlimactic thing. It's like, hi, my name is Zemo. I escaped from prison. I got our heroes to Mandapur. I um, destroyed Serum. I made this really awesome exit out of a bathroom while everybody was fighting. And I'm just going to stand at the Sarkovia Memorial and go back to prison to a worse prison than I was in. It was so anticlimactic. A lot of us keep asking, why was Zemo even involved? And for him to just go back, it was just, why? I think I have an answer for that. It seemed very anticlimactic, but I suspect that Lauren has an answer here, as do I. So if Lauren doesn't have the answer I have, I will (laughs) say it. But I think Lauren's barking up the same tree. I think so. So, 
We have yet to talk about that cameo. Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up as long name, I cannot remember, call me Val. It's Madame Hydra, everyone. It's Madame Hydra. Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Yes, it's Madame Hydra. And first of all, when I was watching that, you know, I had a freak out of that. And also the fact that she's acting so much like Selena Meyer in Veep. She's bringing a lot of that energy in. But anyway, before you go on, I just want to say that I am not surprised that Madame Hydra is an outgrowth of Seinfeld. <laughs> well, she's OK. Keep going. I'll. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Anyway, between her making Walker that offer and us finding out that Zemo is not going to Wakanda, he's going to the raft. There has and there has been a lot of speculation that especially given some of the actors they have coming in to play presumably antagonists in the next few live action series we might be getting the thunderbolts what are the thunderbolts you ask they're basically marvel suicide squad i'm very excited <laughs> i'm very excited like we have tim roth coming back as the abomination we have ethan hawk i think is the bad guy in moon knight I have to go and look and see who else has been. The Thunderbolts are called the Thunderbolts because they're named after the general. Yep. Thunderbolt Ross, who we still have floating around in the MCU. We do very much. And on the field, they're led by Zemo. So that is why Zemo's headed back to the raft. Allegedly. I think this is... Somebody called her coming in there and doing that evil Nick Fury. And I kind of agree with that. I do think this is leading into the defenders. This is leading into, hey, we have all of these really excellent actors playing these really interesting antagonists that we finally have room to like get to know them a little better. So let's use these series as kind of a backdoor pilot for all of those. And then we end up with defenders in like two or three years so michelle i did some research into val i know you did as well i actually read a little bit of the contessa in the comics as well but probably not as much to be well versed in it but i know you did a lot of research so do you want to talk a little bit more about who val is she's actually a triple agent so first off she's superb at hand-to-hand combat marksmanship espionage she often wears bulletproof fabrics and carries a pistol. So I mentioned that coat and everything was bulletproof and such. She's actually a triple agent. At first, she seemed loyal to S.H.I.E.L.D. And then she seemed loyal to HYDRA. However, her true lo- loyalties lie with an organization called Leviathan. And Leviathan is about recovering the ability to create superhumans, which Zemo doesn't like. However, Steve Walker has the super serum in him and she says that that makes him important to a lot of people so that made me think that she might might not be madame hydra in this case she might be working with leviathan because now they can experiment on steve to get the serum again i think you meant uh john john walker you said steve walker oh i'm sorry steve yeah and just a quick 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 diversion because we kind of skimmed right by this Sam hands Joaquin the wings and he's like, keep them. Joaquin Torres in the Marvel 616 universe is also a version of the Falcon. In the comics version, he is a human bird vampire hybrid. There's a lot of experimentation going on. He also can psychically bond with Red Wing, who, reminder in the comics, is an actual bird. And because of that, Joaquin and Sam can use red wing as a like it's that tell so-and-so to tell tell so-and-so i said this yeah we'll tell so-and-so i said this but not kind of petty and childish so i was very glad for that little comic snod as far as contessa there's one other loophole that it might play into we still don't know who the power broker is now sharon is making some moves uh, it comes out that she paid for the Batroc's outings. Batroc the Leaper, who is wearing his comic uniform colors 
And again, it's like, we hired this guy. Let's not waste him. So he's back. Uh, So Sharon is hiring him, which might lead to a lot of the theories that she is actually the power broker. There's now some theories that says the Contessa is the power broker. So there is still the fact that the power broker has not been named. I am moving away from Sharon being the power broker because here's the thing. A truck goes to Carly. Carly called in a favor. We're not too sure who she called, but then we see Sharon telling Patrock that, you know, hey, I got you out of that prison. I'm going to pay you more. And then he goes to New York to give her weapons. Is she not the power broker? Is she a flag smasher? For the record, I have never said that Sharon was the power broker. Matter of fact, I said it went against her character in where I would portray the actor as going forward. However, I said, I wouldn't be surprised with anything, especially coming off of WandaVision. I wasn't going to get too hung up on if Sharon was the power broker or if she wasn't the power broker. But I assumed that she wasn't. But this last move definitely tips the scale for those that are just watching episode by episode of the fact that it does lead credence into the fact that she could. Now, I still think she couldn't, but I can see the people saying, whoa, that is another step along the way. Could she be a flag smasher? I could definitely see that. I could definitely see her seeing the world being a better place or at least moved on from where the Avengers were. It still is with her family history and her relationship with Steve, Uncle Steve, you, that <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. It's a, it's hard for me to view the character in an anti-Avengers viewpoint. And I don't even know if the Flag Smashers would be considered anti-Avengers or not. They're definitely anti-GRC, but I don't know if they're anti-Avengers. Even Sam agreed with the Flag Smashers what they wanted to do. He just disagreed with how they were doing it. Either way, she's hiring someone who wants to kill Sam. Yep. She said she had two problems. Sam could be one. And this would be her second time, if that's true, of trying to kill Sam. So I think she would have set up the first time to kill Sam. Okay, well, it's really obvious Sharon's involved in something big, something that we are not privy to yet. She's helping Sam and Bucky, but she's also helping the people working against them. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure. Like, again, it's been a hard few years for Sharon in between getting, basically having to run to Madripoor after stealing the shield. Or so she says. Yeah, or so so she says. But I think it's also very clear that she was one of the ones who remained during the blip. And we know that things got difficult during the blip. We keep hearing it alluded to over and over and over again and whatever sharon's doing now i think it has something to do with whatever happened to her during the blip for me the key is why does she want to kill sam and it could be any number of reasons you just said a a bunch of pros and, and cons like is she really trying to kill sam or is she setting it up i don't know maybe she's trying to get back well if she was trying to get batrock arrested that already happened and then sharon got him out of prison again so whatever i don't know there's a lot set up in this last episode to come to conclusion and we'll see what happens with that michelle any last words on the power broker i think we need to stop saying that because sharon is related to peggy carter that therefore she must have the same moral fortitude as her aunt Sherrod is her own individual. And for us to keep saying, well, Peggy wouldn't do this. Well, Peggy is Peggy and Sharon is Sharon. And we need to remember that. Oh, I have. I just went back to the last couple of scenes that we've seen in her in, in the scenes along the way. And she seemed to be working along a path for good rather than a path for chaos. So that is what I'm going off of. Who knows? She could have been a Hydra agent this entire time. 
and was never really activated on camera. Who knows? I don't know. I don't think that's the case, but I do think we are probably going to find out that she's connected somehow to Val. Maybe she'll end up in the uh, Thunderbolts series, too. Maybe she'll end up running the Thunderbolts. I have no idea. Val says something that's, in my opinion, quasi-important, that the government doesn't own the shield. It's a legal gray area. Yeah, okay. So this shield was the one given to Steve by T'Challa. So it is not the one that Howard Stark provided, which, by the way, Howard Stark was a contractor. I don't know how his legal situation and IP and all that factored into the stuff he was doing in World War II. But this shield, anyway, it was a gift to Steve from Wakanda. And Sam donated it to the museum. The government then took that and gave it to somebody else. I am not a lawyer. I am not. There has to be some sort of interesting way to look at this whole chain of command. And yeah, it does seem like a really interesting legal gray area. I mean, why would they even mention it other than to get the audience off of the point of John Walker has to give the shield back or Sam has to give the shield back? I think the statement was just made for that, but I don't know. It could come back years later. I'd really, really, really like to talk about the um, Sam and Isaiah and Sam and Sarah storylines. Sam and Isaiah. Sam goes back to Isaiah. I talked about this last episode that I thought they would be going back to the United States. Turned out they did instead of Madripoor. We still got a Madripoor scene with Sharon allegedly in Madripoor. But a lot of that happened. A lot of the episode happened back in the United States. Sam goes to see Isaiah. Eli is in the scene again, thus leading to (laughs) introducing Eli into the universe again, right? And it was an interesting conversation. Sam and Isaiah actually sat down after they got over some initial rough words to learn about the complete history for us on camera, but also for Sam. I thought it was a unique way to bring that to closure. Sam ultimately makes his own decision, but the stuff that he learns, I think, is important from historical perspective inside the MCU and then for us outside the MCU. Uh, so, Michelle, how did you like that conversation between Sam and Isaiah? I'm glad it happened. I'm glad we got to have a, this is more like a really good Sam episode. We've been you know, we've had some Bucky moments, but we finally got Sam. We got Sam having that conversation, doing some internalizing, going back home, being with the sister. Yes, Bucky comes, but it's really because of Sam and Sam doing his thing and being, you know, with the family. I think it was important for him to start really seeing what the shield means and what it could mean. Because later on, it sort of ties into. There's a line that Bucky says when it's like Steve and I didn't think what it meant to give you the shield. And I'm sorry that we forgot you're a black man in America. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to Isaiah's point to where no one's going to accept a black man as Captain America. So there was a lot of discussion apparently after about Steve would have talked to him about race. Okay, I know this is a comic example, and this is, once again, using mutants as metaphors for any marginalized community, but during A versus X, there was a huge clash between the Avengers and the X-Men, not only about comic stuff, but also talking about how the Avengers were never there for the X-Men after the school was blown up and stuff like that. And some writers have done like really interesting conversations between Cyclops and Cap, where it's a lot of, yeah, it's all too little too late. You never asked about this because you never thought of us. And there's a lot of discussions like that going on right now in the real world because, okay, race is a thing in the United States. This is how we have decided to stratify our society all the way back to wherever, look up all the stuff about who gets to be white and conditional whiteness and stuff like that. 
And people don't tend to think a lot outside of their experience. Right now, there is a lot of discussion going on about a game that was just released where it's supposed to be like, okay, it's a black man and his son and the cops stop them and you have to like make those decisions and you get to see, oh, this is how it could be. But a lot of people are like, you shouldn't have to play a game to realize that we are people and this is the stuff we are going through. And both, I'm not going to say both sides have valid points, but I do agree that you shouldn't have to play a game. There's a lot of you see this with like, oh, I was a jerk until I had a daughter and now I understand feminism. You shouldn't have to have something touch your life that directly to be able to empathize with another human being. And it's not malicious. It's just people don't think about the stuff outside of their experiences a whole lot. It's just how the human mind kind of works. You have to work at it. It is, to me, very plausible that this just wouldn't have come up. It's come up with me as a woman, a Latina, somebody who's queer. And it's like, oh, okay, you, ne- you clearly never thought about it from this perspective. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm not thinking about from other people's perspectives because that is not my lived experience. Like, my sister is about 10 shades darker than me. The stuff that she goes through is not the same as the stuff I go through. I have so much to say, and right now my thoughts are bouncing around everywhere. Someone else, please take over. Yeah, we, we got a couple of more things to talk about here, one of which is the newfound romance between Bucky and Sarah. I thought that was cute. Same. I thought it was cute, too. It means that Bucky no longer needs his dating online profile, which, getting back to that conversation, by the way, we had what would be in his dating profile, and we thought he liked baseball, and we were wondering what his favorite baseball team was. I just want to say I was wrong there. Because I said it would have to be the Yankees because he's from New York. I forgot in the 40s, you had the Brooklyn Brooklyn Dodgers. Yes. So I don't know if he would still be a Dodgers fan, but he was at one point in time a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. Now, of course, for those that don't know, the Dodgers have since moved, but he wasn't a Mets or a Yankees fan. He would have been a Dodgers fan. Just want to say that. And as far as his dating online profile, doesn't need it anymore because at least he's flirting. Yeah. Pretty overtly, but nicely, with Sarah. We see a lot of, okay, we have, in addition to the cap training montage that Sam does, we have the shrimp boat, or fishing boat. I'm just assuming it's a shrimp boat because I used to watch shrimp boats coming in and out of Galveston every day. But anyway, the fishing boat that they have, they're working on cleaning it up. Sam decides, he's like, you know what? I'm going to swallow my pride. Our family built this big community. We have people who owe us stuff. So all these people come and help them. And again, it's another reason that we see Sam is an excellent Captain America. He has the ability to build bridges. He calls these people and brings them all together. He even makes peace with Bucky. He even helps Bucky. He's pulling his therapist thing there. And particularly the whole, you say you're making amends, but what you're doing is kind of getting vengeance. And I thought that was, again, this episode really put a spotlight on Sam. I know we've talked a lot about Walker. We've talked a lot about Val. We've talked a lot about Sharon. But this episode was Sam's episode. And I was so happy that we got that. The training session, or at least the mutual catching the shield analogous to throwing the ball sort of thing back and forth between the two guys, that's, a, I, I want to say stereotypical, but it's a very useful tool to talk to somebody at a meaningful level while you're doing another activity, usually a, a mild physical activity like passing the ball back and forth. But in this case, they're literally throwing the shield and then one's catching it and then the other's catching it and then they're passing it back and forth. A lot of symbology inside (laughs) that conversation with the shield use as well of who's got the power, who's got the shield, who's mentoring who at that point in time. 
very well done scene. I loved it. And I also love the fact that they try to save the trees because the first time he, the shield, it ends up impacting into the tree. So then they padded the trees so the shield could bounce around. Uh, the one bad thing is if the shield can go through a tree, it can go through the padding to get through to the tree. So I, I guess the shield knows if it's a tree or not. <laughs> I figured that they put like, you know, we see the, the padding. I figured there's like a lot of bits of like scrap metal under there. Yeah, maybe. Or it's Kevlar or something, something that's something. a little bit more resistant. So in that conversation, though, Sam tells Bucky that you need to do good for at least one person. Well, we already have the avenue for that in the series because of the the man. I won't say boy, but the man that was killed while he was Winter Soldier and that he had been going back to his dad, right? And I think that's the conversation that's going to happen. It's not an avenging conversation. It's a, this is what happened to your son conversation, I think. And I think that's what the old man's going to need. But I think it's going to hurt Bucky in the process because Bucky's going to say, I'm the one who killed him. That's what he needs to start doing. So are we going to see that? Like, where is the end? Where's the climax of this series? Is it going to be halfway through the next episode? And then we're going to get a 10 to 20 minute epilogue on the backside of it? Because those are meaningful conversations that take time. I think it's going to be something like that. We're going to have the kind of the resolution with regards to Carly and the Flag Smashers somewhere around the midpoint of the episode, maybe around towards the end but i think midpoints most likely and yeah we'll see we'll see bucky making his amends we'll see sam being even if he's not sanctioned by the u.s government he is the successor he is cap it's kind of the stereotypical penultimate setup episode but at the same time there was just so much that happened i thought it was a really good episode i really enjoyed this episode we haven't talked about if we liked it or not i did i think it's a good use of the episode took a long time to get here in terms of it's a six episode series but i'm enjoying where we are right now and i really wanted at the end of the episode i'm like oh man this is the first episode that i watched of the series going i gotta wait a week to watch the next scene here i gotta wait wait a week here because at the very end sam's opening the case and we don't see what's in the case we all know what's in the case but we haven't seen what's in the case so i'm like oh man i really want to see that and the resolution what's going to happen with bucky how is sam going to be received by everybody in his new role so this is all great also bucky mentioned one thing in their talk too that steve talked to him about giving the shield and we never saw that on camera but to have that acknowledged that Bucky was part of the decision process because Bucky was around before Steve was Captain America and actually was involved in a lot of Steve's main points as Captain America. I thought that was cool nod that the two of them made the decision or at least Steve consulted Bucky in order to make the decision to hand the shield off to Sam. So I thought that was good. I was really hoping we would get that, you know, he would put the shit, you know, the suit on and then we would have that last shot of him, you know, shield suit and standing tall and ready to go kick butt in New York. It was the director and showrunners preference, I guess, to have everybody waiting for that next yeah, week just or not. Have everybody at the edge of their seat. Felix in chat says, yeah, this next episode can't come fast enough. They did a really good job of ending it right where you want more. So question for you guys, since the Wakandians were the ones that created the suit, it's not Stark tech anymore, it's Wakandian tech. Do you think that Shuri added a new Red Wing into the suit? I kind of hope so. That would be nice. Give Sam his drone back. Or at least maybe make a drone for Torres if Torres is going to take on the wings. We'll see. What, you don't want him to be a uh, human bird vampire? You know, the way the MCU <laughs> is now post-blip, I wouldn't be surprised at anything. Michelle, did your mom watch the episode? She did. She watched it basically an hour before we went to air. So there's no audio. Um, but I did ask her what she thought. She really enjoyed the fight scene. She's happy that Sam got the shield back. She is like, Sam should definitely have the shield. 
because, you know, he believes in himself and he knows what the shield means to the world and what qualities a person has to, you know, need it to do. She also wanted the episode to end with the, you know, outfit in the shield. And she's all, all like us. It was a good episode and she can't wait to see the next one. It's cool. You think she'll watch it Friday or when do you think she's going to watch the next one? Over the weekend. She doesn't watch it on Friday. Okay. So maybe we'll get a final voicemail from her on Falcon the Winter Soldier before we record the next time. Lauren, any last thoughts on this episode, the penultimate, or any predictions as we go into the finale? I really, really liked the cinematography this episode. There was a lot of playing into the uncertain mindset of specifically Walker and Sam. Whenever we saw them, you see like, the background is a bit more out of focus. The camera is not quite level a bunch of those times. And at the end, you know, things have evened out for Sam. There was also a really cute little set bit where in Sarah's kitchen on the fridge, there is a little, it looks like the cap shield, but it's a little heart. And it says like world's best mom or uncle or something like that. But I just... Again, it's the little details that I really, really love about what they've been doing with the Disney Plus shows. I thought this was a great episode. The Julie Louis-Dreyfus casting was perfect. And I'm really hoping someone on the internet takes Sam's training montage and puts it to Eye of the Tiger. Yes. That'd be cool, the training montage. He, that's important to note. He is not super powered. Yet he has to work his butt off. And he's an older guy, too. Let's face it. As we get older, we start slowing down. So the effort that he has to put in, it's like Tom Brady, right? When he was younger in his career, for those that watch the NFL, he was able to do things without too much work. He is now in his 40s, just won a Super Bowl, but he did so by putting in hours and hours of work. He's got a nutritionist, a trainer. He's following a, a specific regimen in order to do that. Sam is at that point in his life and he's learning new things and doing some phenomenal things like doing some parkour for the lack of a better term as he's throwing the shield around that sort of thing, which is all great. Love to see it on camera, but everybody else that's wielded the shield so far. And I will count Walker as part of that has had super serum, super soldier serum in them. You had Steve Rogers, you have Bucky. Yeah, Walker now. Sam is going to be the first one that doesn't. So this is going to be interesting. Which is also kind of, again, good sci-fi looks at reality from a slightly different angle. Again, it's a more than a bit metaphorical. All of the guys who have held that shield so far that we know of are white. He has to work twice as hard to get to that point. There's this that whole saying, it's like you work twice as hard to get half as much. and. I think it's kind of a brilliant choice by the writer director to show that symbolically. He's somebody who does not have these advantages that the other people had. So yeah, he, he just has to do it his own way, first of all. And I really can't wait to see. <laughs> I want to see him with the shield. I want to see him in new uniform. I'm so excited. Next week, we're going to do just that. We're going to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 6, the finale episode of the series, possibly the, well, definitely the season, possibly the series. And it's not titled yet, but we'll find out what the title is as we go along during the week. And that is it for this week for our discussion on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But we have news and feedback to get to, and news we'll get to right now. We have casting information on Spider-Man No Way Home. We've talked about this a little bit. It was rumored then, but uh, Alfred Molina has confirmed that he's going to be Doc Ock in No Way Home. I linked an article from Vanity.com. When he asked John Watts, the director of No Way Home, how the movie would bring Doc Ock back, since, as he pointed out, I died, Molina said the director told him, in this universe, no one really dies. And Alvaro Molina talks about how, like, he's like, I'm 20 years older. 
I have like two double chins and, you know, I can't move like I used to. And Watts told him because that movie, the movie will pick up from that moment in the river. He's like, no, we'll digitally de-age you. It's fine. And he also mentioned in regards to being 20 years older, we talked about how, yeah, you get older, things start kind of falling apart. He's like, oh my God, the stunt work. Oh, wait, the tentacles did all my stunt work. I just kind of went like, and then the tentacles were added in post. So I thought that was a pretty funny interview. Cool. Uh, Marvel has big plans for that Falcon and Winter Soldier cameo. Yeah. So as we have discussed, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was in this episode as Val. Apparently in 2019, Okay, Veep ended. Veep, I mentioned earlier, it was a show on HBO where she's the vice president, briefly the president, back to vice president. It's a whole thing. It's really, really funny. And in regards to, I think it was the final season, they were like, oh, we should like have, you should play like a, a villain or something, like a super villain. And she said, swinging around on wires and kicking people in the face, shooting fire out of whatever you shoot fire out of. I would dig that. And again, the article mentions that a lot of people have been suspecting that this is indicating that they are slowly rolling out the Thunderbolts. And I I agree. I think that's where we're headed. And as far as stunt work, let's just remember those shoes weren't made for walking. (laughs) And we have Brie Larson teaching Tessa Thompson to play Fortnite. Okay. This was, I watched this the other day. It was really, really cute. Brie Larson, earlier this, I say this year, it was 2020, I think, started up a YouTube channel and she just posts like random stuff on there. And this past week, she has about a 10 minute video. It's her, you know, Captain Marvel, Tessa Thompson, Valkyrie. And Brie is the one who's actually playing. And Tessa's like, okay. We're going to go here. Let's try this. And Bree's walking her through it, kind of trying to get her to play with her. And it's just, it's really funny. It's really cute. They decide that their two goals are number one, tame a wolf, and number two, win. And they manage to do both. It's really cute. Bree also had a video about her back to training because, of course, filming for her next movie is coming up. So she is back training for her next movie. So if you like, Brie Larson, subscribe to her YouTube channel. There's all sorts of interesting things that she does in that. And that's it for the news for this week. We have some feedback. We have an email from 084. So it's pretty short. I'll read the whole thing. Greetings. I heard you guys trying to wrap your head around when the six years ago intro to episode four took place and thought I would try to help. We're established to be six months after Endgame, which was five years after Infinity War. So the scene with Bucky and Io, along with the Black Panther post credit with Bucky and Shuri, both take place six months before Infinity War. Since Infinity War and Civil War were confirmed in dialogue to be two years apart, that means it took a year and a half for Bucky to be deprogrammed. Loving the show so far. Hope you all are doing well. Until next time, 084. It was still a very impactful scene, as well as when Bucky showed up at the Sokovian Memorial. That was also in a, a very impactful scene. I know the whole Zemo thing was going on, but we need to remember what happened in Sokovia as well as the entire world. Is there going to be some sort of blip memorial, you think? I mean... We have memorials for all sorts of stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me. We have a Rocky statue, so. And there was um, in the first episode when Sam is donating the shield, there's this whole like story about like what happened. And there's a list of names of like either the missing or the returned or something like that because there were names going on and on. Though I think over time, there's going to be some sort of memorial. Wait to see. Oh, that reminds me. You know, like way back, like 20, 30 minutes ago, when we were talking about Walker building the shield. In the comics, John Walker built his own version of the cap shield 
but inscribed it with the names of all the people that he lost in Vietnam, because that, you know, originally John Walker was a Vietnam vet. Here we have the Medal of Honor, I think, fulfilling the same purpose. Okay, anyway. Well, with the newer space probes, you know, their first ones had a record of a golden record, like the Voyager probes and the Pioneer probes of humanity and a lot of the names that went with the development of the probe and that sort of thing. And lately they've been transitioning to like a microchip with everybody's name on there that wants to be a part of it, basically. Just you had to sign a form or online, you know, apply for a form online and then your, your name would go with the latest probes. So I think you could get all of the names or something like that electronically on something, but it just wouldn't mean the same as actually displaying them somewhere, in my opinion. Anyway, I want to thank 084 very much for the email. We really appreciate it. Thanks for the well wishes with the podcast. We hope you're enjoying it. And we're hoping everybody is enjoying it, actually. And with that, Michelle, what are we going to do now? We're going to do some shill training on our way out. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I want to specifically thank those that are watching our stream live. We really appreciate that. And we are looking forward to the next episode. Thank you again to everybody who gets a hold of us on Twitter, whether it's during the live tweets on Saturday mornings or just, you know, in general throughout the week. We really love hearing from you. We really love knowing that you're thinking of us. I know it always puts a smile on my face. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening or watching. Uh, Thank you for the email. And of course, Come to the Discord where we have very interesting conversations in the spoiler channel. Everyone has been very respectful by putting like their thoughts immediately in the spoiler channel and not ruin it for anyone else. And I just am looking forward to the week and Friday night. Until next time, I'm producer of the show, SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See everybody next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. So I've gotten up to the Avengers in my Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch. One thing that struck me, and we probably talked about it before, but I think the MCU missed a chance to have Coulson in Captain America right at the beginning when they found the plane and the two agents or two whatever went to go see the plane up in the Arctic. One of those should have been Coulson, in my opinion. Now that I'm at Avengers, it also means I'm pretty close to starting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. again. Woo! So mom just watched it. So I have her thoughts in the, like right after mine. Oh, in the doc? Yeah, in the doc. Okay. Yeah, she watched it like an hour ago. Okay. <laughs> I needed the episode to see him with the outfit and the shield. Didn't we all? Didn't we all? Okay, I save it for the show because I have thoughts about that because I agree. Anyway. Well, I, I was talking about it in the uh, Discord server on the spoiler channel. That's how I was laughing because she was similar to me. Anyway. Boom. Record. That works. Yeah, Lauren, go ahead and record. Okay. Um, boom, 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 boom. Okay. La, la, oh, la, la. That okay. needs a little bit more gain, apparently. Doot, doot, do. Does that sound okay or does that sound bad? Sounds okay. There's a little reverb in there, but. Okay. I'm trying to figure out.
I think it's just an artifact of the room that you're in. I don't think there's anything really that you can do with that microphone. Yeah, I I got a hold of GIK and apparently they're going to be uh, because there was this huge mistake when like they double charged me. And then when they returned uh, the double charge, they just canceled my order flat out. Okay. So I, it took me like a week, but I finally got a hold of them. They have it, the order in, and they said, for my troubles, they're going to try to move me up in the production line. So hopefully I'll get my good sound panels before June. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. I. This is going to be interesting with this new monitor. This is cool. <laughs> I can see the light on your face. Yeah. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.